Episode 14 of Adventures in VHS, the podcast dedicated entirely to the lost format of VHS. In each episode, I take a look at one of the ex-rental VHS movies that adorn my now creaking shelves. I delve into its release history, its sleeve and its packaging before getting stuck into the finer points of the film itself with a full, frank and clip-filled review. As many of you will know by now, the show supports the upcoming book of the same name, which, among other things, is why there hasn't been a podcast up in the last couple of months. So thanks once more for being patient with me on that front. And for those of you interested in the progress of the book, I do tend to use these intros as a bit of an update. So with that in mind, I thought now would be a good place to tell you that I do in fact have a publisher and one which shares a lot of the same thoughts on what the book is and how best to put it out there. So, uh, so yeah, as I'm sure you can tell, I'm absolutely busting to tell you more, but there are a few things that need to be finalised first, so I don't want to tempt fate by opening my mouth too soon. Uh, however, I will make one promise right now uh, by saying that the listeners of this podcast will hear the announcement first. Um, so keep an eye out for the next episode of the show where I'm really hoping I'll have something cool to share with you um, and and sort of let all of you who've kindly supported the project uh, via the show uh, know about what the next stage of the book will be. Um, just to very quickly say, if you are new to Adventures in VHS, you'll find my links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes and Stitcher, uh, as well as contact email address uh, and, and links to my own occasional blog um, over at adventuresinvhs.com. Um, and as always, any shares, likes, follows and reviews on iTunes are gratefully received. But back to the here and now. Adventures in VHS episode 14 has arrived, so I'll once again ask you to sit back, relax, and get ready to adjust your tracking as I strip down to my undies, strap on my skis, and go off-piste with 1984's Peter Markle-directed alpine comedy, Hot Dog the Movie. They're fast. They're fun-loving. They're fearless. They're nuts. Catching it? By day, they're the finest hot freestyle skiers in the world. By night, they really take chances. You busy for dinner? Now that's a girl I can take advantage of. This is the motion picture comedy that's proud to go downhill. Fast. The movie that defies the forces of gravity. Sanity. And good taste. 
Hot Dog, the movie. Experience all the ducking, flipping, turning, chugging, jumping, sliding, gliding, speeding action you can take. And that's just in the hot tub. Oh, boy. Gasp at stunts. Only a team of world-class madmen would dare to attempt. The dreaded Chinese downhill. Challenge of all, Playboy's Playmate of the Year, Shannon Tweed. Thank you. It's the fastest, hottest, feet in the air, head in the hot tub comedy of the long, cold winter. So grab your poles and kiss your buns goodbye. It's Hot Dog, the movie. Now, if you are looking for sexy laughs set against a backdrop of ski slopes and sweaters, there are a few films that you may want to check out. Uh, and among the long list that includes the likes of Ski School 1 and 2, Copper Mountain, and more recently Ski Patrol, to name just a few, is Hot Dog the Movie. So, starring David Norton, who had made uh, a bit of a career for himself already in TV before getting his big break three years earlier in John Landis's American Werewolf in London, Hot Dog the Movie is a film which wasn't particularly expensive to make, but ended up grossing over $17 million. Um, so it didn't do bad. Um, another notable appearance, apart from Norton, that helped sell the film to audience, though, would be Shannon Tweed, the 1982 Playboy Playmate of the Year, who had, up until this point, only really starred in George P. Cosmatos's of unknown origin. Uh, but she would go on to appear in a slew of 80s straight-to-video features before carving out a perhaps predictable uh, career in, in erotic thrillers with names like Indecent Behaviour and Body Chemistry for Full Exposure. Hot Dog, though, was released theatrically in the US in January of 1984 and was rolled out over the course of the year to a number of other global markets, uh, particularly across Europe, where it had some success. Uh, but finally, it hit UK stores in the form of a home video release on VHS and Betamax through the Entertainment in Video label. Now, as I've kind of mentioned before, Entertainment in Video is the tiny independent distributor, um, which back in the early 80s was already making a bit of a name for itself. Uh, but in years to come, would end up being the absolute giant of the industry that is entertainment film distribution. Um, Hot Dog, the movie, was initially put out by uh, EIV uh, without a certification, uh, but was labelled up with an 18 certificate uh, using stickers by video store vendors looking to play it safe. Um, but later on it would be given the official BBFC uh, rating of 18 in uh, December 1986, when it was also passed uncut um, with that rating, as I say, in a more official capacity. Since then, it's managed to rack up some minor cult credentials among 80s comedy fans. Uh, there was, in fact, a 30-year anniversary screening um, in April of this year, uh, which took place in the Squaw Valley, um, which is the, the Californian ski resort where the film uh, was shot and is set. 
Um, as it turns out, that screening was quite the success too. Tons of people turned out to uh, to a special screening of the show, um, which was a, a, a brand new sort of editor's cut. Uh, sorry, a brand new director's cut, I should say. And there's, there was a special Q and A. Uh, with its cast and crew, which included Norton and the writer and, uh, and co-director Mike Marvin, or should I say, I think he was second unit director or something, uh, Mike Marvin. Um, and there was people dressed up as characters from the film, and there was even a, a, a one-off charity memorabilia auction where uh, where Marvin kind of auctioned off some of the, uh, the props from the movie itself. Um, so it seems like the film has quite a legacy. Um, obviously, in the area where it was shot and filmed, it's remembered pretty fondly. Um, for the time that it sort of spent shooting there um, many of the people who live and work in that area ended up working on the film um, and, and sort of making appearances in the film on, on, a, on, a, few, uh, on a few occasions as well um, and many of the people who were involved in actually making this film uh, whether they were from the local area or you know arrived on the, on the, on the, the bus from Hollywood uh, so to speak um, Everybody kind of insisted that it was it was something of a party atmosphere. Um, so very much what you see on screen uh, is very much what was going on off, according to uh, to some people. Um, one of those people, director Peter Markel, um, went on to have a pretty successful film career himself. Uh, he directed um, Young Blood, Bat Twenty One. Uh, he even directed Flight Ninety Three, um, and he. In addition to his film credits, he also has a number of, uh, of TV credits. So uh, The X-Files, uh, he worked on Medium, uh, and more recently he worked on Burn Notice as well. Um, however, this film, uh, Hot Dog the Movie, if you do want to see it today, you can, of course, do what I did and track down the VHS tape. Um, or you can pick it up on its Region 1 or Region 2 DVD releases, uh, available on Amazon for just a couple of quid. Um or if you want to save yourself uh, time, money and postage uh, you'll even find it in full on YouTube um, the quality of the uh, the YouTube uh, version is absolutely fine the running time is slightly different I, I have only watched in full uh, this movie on VHS I haven't watched the, uh, the full YouTube version of it but the runtime is slightly different um, and in putting together this podcast, I also noticed that the last line of the film, which uh, you'll hear at the end of the review, um, isn't actually in it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it was a HDTV uh, broadcast. that That's the version that's on uh, YouTube. So I don't know. Maybe there's bits cut out. I'm not too sure. Um, if it was shown on TV, I would imagine there's probably some nudity cut out of it. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's available on there. So if you want to watch it for free, um, and you know you, you're not that interested in boobs, um, I don't know anybody who isn't interested in boobs, but um, then you could always check out that version. It does sort of um, it does sort of seem to suggest that the Arrow or Shout Factory are kind of missing a trick at the moment on this, and uh, you know maybe they could be just one of a number of people who put it out on Blu-ray. It can't be very long before a version of this gets gets out on Blu-ray, and, and I'm wondering if maybe that was sort of the re the reasoning behind this director's cut that actually showed at, at Squaw Valley in April. Um, but anyway, getting back to the VHS, uh, after this short break, uh, I'll be taking a look at the 1984 Entertainment in Video UK VHS release of Hot Dog the Movie. I'll be taking you through its trailers, uh, and then. 
after we've had a look at the cover and the trailers, we'll settle in for a full uh, full review of the film itself. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. It's just, just getting confirmation. It's just thinking that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Alright, I'm here with Bill Byforce and Mr. Chris to tell you a little bit about outside the cinema. Alright, Reverend Scott, take us to church. Uh, what can we expect to find from a typical show? Two hours of just random blabber. <laughs> uh, is there anyone's coattails you wrote in on to popularity? I'm the guy that f***ing burns the coattails and then pisses on them. You review all these exploitation, <laughs> horror, comedy, cult, and often all-around terrible movies. You must have a strong driving force that keeps you going. Ego. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard you say that before. Uh, yeah, I've been saying that for a while. Really? I have been saying that for a while. Also, I'm high on smack. Well, it's definitely working for you guys. Yeah. People are coming out in droves to support you on iTunes. We just the other day got a, a, a one-star review on iTunes. Well, that is one <laughs> That is one star too many. Let me tell you. The worst f***ing piece of shit I've ever heard. This has been great, guys. Thanks, Scott. Ah. Uh, that was good. Oh, he's got you crying over there. I'm good for the rest of the year. Nice. That was too much. All right, so I hold in my hand here the 1984 Entertainment in Video UK VHS release of Hot Dog the Movie. Uh, just taking a quick glance at the, uh, at the cover, I can see it has been... Uh, trimmed a little bit at the top and bottom as I as, as I, fe- I think I've mentioned on the show before. That's kind of something that you get every now and again as as tapes would get a bit frayed around the tops and bottoms. So um, either people who owned them or shop owners uh, would sort of trim them down. Uh, it's it's a real shame, but there's not really anything you can do about it. Um, so this is slightly trimmed at the top at the top and bottom. Uh, apart from that, it's in it's in pretty decent nick. The uh, the box is. An entertainment and video embossed box. However, I will say it's not the original box. Um, I can tell that because the entertainment and video embossed logo on the inside is the uh, the one from the, the sort of late 80s, uh, whereas the entertainment and video uh, logo that's on the sleeve is the sort of uh, the original one, the sort of preser era one, which is uh, a little bit more old school looking. Um, so that's overall, but uh, just to take you through the actual cover itself, um, across the front we've got uh, a tagline of sorts, which is a hilarious, raunchy, action-packed comedy, taste the sauce in dot dot dot, hot dog, the movie. Uh, there's the entertainment and video logo across the top, um, and then the main image is uh, a couple of guys in a hot tub with three um, beautiful buxom uh, women with um, foam in all the right or wrong places, whichever uh, way you want to look at it, um, and the two sort of guys just sort of leering at them, and um, you know, 
a champagne cock going off in the background that's obviously meant to look like spunk um and yeah that's that's basically it. it's a hot it's a hot tub full of uh, of sexy people um it's a hand painted jobby again it's it's fairly well done i mean it's it's not it's not the most beautiful artwork in the world in the world but it's fine um and then just weirdly just next to the the hot tub there's a little sort of drunken um bird with a with a champagne glass and when i say bird i mean actual bird i don't mean some bird i mean like a, a bird um and then right in the middle of the hot tub uh, next to the ducks which i've just noticed um there's a sort of a periscope with uh, with two sort of cartoon eyes in in the glass bit at the top which is a bit strange um then there's a little 18 certificate at the bottom despite the fact that this was actually a pre-certification tape it looks like there's an 18 certificate that's been printed on it it's not the sort of bbfc embossed one it's the uh, it's just the literally sort of uh, a black and white a very bold black and white 18 certificate quite small as well so not the regulation size and not the regulation sort of red with bbfc sort of written um in black on the on the red background um and then there's the credits for the film across the bottom and a giant yellow um, circle that says featuring a great hit soundtrack. Um, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you very much. Um, we'll see that and uh, I will report back to you on the soundtrack when we get into the film. Um, along the spine, uh, entertainment and video logo at the top, the hot dog, the movie logo across the middle. Um, I should say as well, this uh, tape does have 18 certificate stickers on it. So... Um, I'm guessing probably the the video shop uh, that that had it wanted to play it safe and stuck the 18 certificate stickers on there. Um, possibly when it was reclassified, they stuck a couple of stickers on it uh, afterwards. Um, probably not that necessary, really. But um, I don't know. Maybe that maybe they have to do that for legal reasons. Um, and then we'll spin over to the back, and we've got all sorts of shenanigans going on around there. Um, collage of images uh, somebody flipping over backwards on some skis uh, somebody drinking a stein of beer um, what looks like a wet t-shirt competition some people in a hot dog with uh, in a in a hot tub with snorkels uh, champagne being poured onto a woman's breasts uh, David Norton necking something from a minibar a woman taking off a top uh, somebody looking like they're having an orgasm, um, somebody else looking like they're having an orgasm, and just a bunch of people dressed in ski gear, sort of cheering. Um, it paints a pretty broad, broad picture, really. I think it's pretty clear from what's what's all in here. There's going to be boobs, there's going to be booze, and there's going to be a bit of skiing as well. Um, were you expecting anything less? I don't know. Um, so I'll, um, I'll I'll read out the, the blurb, which will give you a little bit of an insight into what the movie is, if you didn't have one already. Squaw Valley is staging the World Freestyle Skiing Championships and is in for a lot of surprises. The hot doggers are not slow when it comes to fast skiing, fast sheing, and a bit of fixing on the side. Don't know what that means. Uh... Harking Banks and his drifter sidekick Sonny team up with the Rat Pack for some lusty living as well as giving the opposition the odd spot of bother. I don't know what that means either. But the real blade flashing action is reserved for the Chinese downhill when 40 world-class skiers battle it out on the slopes with some breathtaking stunts. It's enough to make you go snow blind! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. 
Uh, running time 98 minutes approximately, um, some licensing information across the bottom, and that's basically it for the outside. Um, just popping the case open, as I say, uh, there is that sort of uh, new entertainment and video embossed logo on the inside, which as I say is not the original one for this tape. I would guess that this tape, knowing where it comes in terms of sort of catalogue numbers, I would guess that this tape would normally have a blue clamshell. Um, rather than this white clamshell. Um, so basically, Entertainment in Video, uh, through the early part of their distribution, they had, uh, the, when they had the old school logo that I'm referring to, uh, all of their boxes were blue. Um, it was only around sort of once you get into the sort of 1,100 and odd that, that the, the, uh, the boxes started to be white. Uh, so I would guess that this actually originally came in a blue box. I can't be 100% sure of that because I've not seen this tape anywhere else, but um, yeah, I would definitely guess that. Um, so ignoring that, we'll move on to the tape. Uh, it's um, unbranded stock tape, so uh, regular VHS tape with a brown uh, flip top across the top, and as I say, it's unbranded, so don't know what type of stock this is. There's no... Um, there's nothing to signify what type of stock it is, but um, yep. Um, and then the Entertainment in Video logo uh, on a sticker across the top. Um, again, the running times, and a couple of stickers attached to it as well, sort of cataloging stickers from the uh, from the video store that it came from. The number A A two five one down the side, and there's a sticker on the top that says one pound a day overdue. So. Um, so that's that, yeah. Without further ado then, because I can't afford to pay overdue fees on this, uh, without further ado then, I will pop it on and we'll get cracking, starting first of all with the trailers. Okay, so as the warning sign comes up, I can see this tape's actually genuinely gonna need a little bit of tracking, so just let me try and sort that out before the trailers come up hopefully it won't be an issue for the film itself looks like it's clearing up he is looking for a challenger okay. someone whose powers are as great as his own don't immediately recognize this if i'll be honest and he has chosen paul bradford why the wizard of the computer age. Why did this happen to me? How did I fall for a guy who's first love is a machine? Okay, this looks like some sort of technological sci-fi thriller type thing. So what gives me an answer? Every time I think about that experiment you were involved in and how you were able to link up. Mm, gross. Um, yeah, so it appears that we've got a sort of technical genius who is being contacted by the netherworld. I'm just going to say Netherworld. Um, he's been contacted by some mysterious demonic figure. Um, and this mysterious demonic figure appears to have turned him into some sort of warrior. Oh, I just saw a boom, Mike. <laughs> uh, right, so... Why am I here? Okay, yeah, so there's this uh, technical genius who's been brought into this world by someone called Mistema, uh, who has the power to conjure monsters and unspeakable evil. Um, and he's been given seven challenges which he must complete uh, in order to save the life of his, uh, his lover. 
And it's got some nice hair metal in there from Wasp. That's Wasp. Excellent. So, one of the challenge looks to have been attack Wasp while they're performing a song on stage. Another one appears to be fight a giant stone monkey. Uh, which is which looks a bit Harryhausen-esque, if I'm being honest. Oh, it's a giant stone monkey that shoots lasers out of his head, obviously. Luckily, he has sort of laser gloves that he can use. Um, there's some sort of Mad Max-style car chase sequences, which look good. It's very 80s. It's very reminiscent of a bunch of different things. And it looks like bloody good fun, whatever it is. The nightmare is only beginning. The game is over. Mistima. So, yeah, the bad guy's called Mistima, and it's not really that clear why he's testing this poor guy. Rage War. The challenges of Excalibrate. Fucking hell, that's a title. Whatever happened to truth, justice... And the American way. Uh, Zack Snyder killed it. He knows it's all part of the act. And he knows the players. A convict. I never killed anybody. You manipulated union funds, Harry. A union boss. How'd you guys arrive? Okay, that's Pat Hingle, who plays uh, Commissioner Gordon in the uh, Michael Keaton Batman films. Um, don't really know anything else about this film so far. And the competition. What would you like? The fate of America rides on a deal that turns politics into a circus act. If I starve, you'll see the biggest wildcat strike in history. And I want him to... Uh, okay, you don't usually see sort of political thrillers and sort of espionage type things on these entertainment and video um, early films. It's usually sort of sex comedies and horror movies uh, because that's the sort of low-budget fare that they traded in. But this looks like something that's attempting to do something a little bit more interesting story-wise. Don't get me wrong, it looks like there's sex and explosions in there as well, but... Um, it's primarily about espionage. And it's about some guy called Tucker. I think, I kind of, I think I know the name of this. It's something like Tucker the Man and His Dream or something, I don't know. I could have just completely made that up. Sarah Langenfeld, Eddie Albert, James Andronica, David Huddleston, and Jill St. John. The act. Why do you do it? I love the action. He loves the action. The act. Oh, it's called The Act. From Film Ventures International. Fabulous. The Act. Uh, From the depths of the earth. From the depths of the earth. It is coming. Is it? The final phase of an accident of nature. Fuck. Nothing human cannot visit its veins and lip. It is unexplainable. Is this some sort of zombie fair? What is this? And uncontrollable. Oh wait, I recognize that guy. You can't. That's Wings Hauser. Or hear it in the silence. But you can feel its presence. And sense the danger. <laughs> Mutants. Right. This first of all, this is Wings Hauser, and I'm interested in anything that Wings Hauser is in because he's fucking brilliant. Um, and secondly, this movie is called Mutant, um, and it's the very next. Um, 
think it's the one missing. Just check, just a second. Okay, it's not the very next one, but um, Hot Dog the Movie is catalogue number EVV1024 and Mutant is EVV1027. And I actually have that on my shelf up there. Um, this looks pretty interesting, Mutant. I, I bought it some time ago and didn't really know anything about it. I just knew that it was on the shelves of the store that I grew up in. But based on that, I will definitely give it a watch. Looks good. But, you know, I was sold as soon as Williams Hauser showed up. That sound says to me that it's time for the trailers to end and the movie to begin. So after this short break, I will get on to Hot Dog the Movie in a full and frank review. So see you after this. you can think of a better way to kickstart an 80s sex comedy than with that high energy pumping rock jam, um, Top of the Hill, uh, by the award winning singer songwriter Cliff Magnus. Um, I, I, I would love to hear it. Um, if you've never heard of Cliff Magnus, well, I hadn't either before before this, uh, this movie. Um, but aside from being responsible for this little tasty number that you can hear, it also turns out he's co-written songs with everyone from Ted Nugent to Avril Lavigne. Um, and was even nominated for an Oscar and a Golden Globe for his work on that impossible to forget Dolly Parton and James Ingram number The Day I Fall in Love from the from 1993's Beethoven's Second. Um, so, you know, if you're not impressed yet, I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what else I can do. Um, but there we go. Anyway, um, this is the song that opens the film. Um, and it's, it's a bit of high-speed shenanigans that open the movie set to that particularly blistering soundtrack um, and we're introduced to our hero Harkin Banks who is heading out on the road to the Squaw Valley to take part in a skiing competition on the way he picks up a young stray blonde who goes by the name of Sonny and Sonny makes it very clear that she's not interested in having sex with him when they stay the night at a freeway hotel while on the road 
which definitely means she wants to have sex with him. So how come you didn't try nothing last night? And yeah, she kind of confirms that the next day in the car by saying that. Um, when they do arrive at the ski resort, after Sunny has decided she's going to tag along for the full journey, uh, we catch sight of our first pair of boobies, uh, and a lovely pair of boobies it is too, uh, which belong to the resort manager, uh, a slightly uh, older and very sexy lady who's uh, busy being seen to in the hot tub around the back of the office um, when Harkin and Sonny turn up to uh, to get the keys to their apartment. Um, but once the pair actually get settled, and when I say the pair, I mean Harkin and Sonny, not the boobies, uh, once the pair get settled, they decide to go out for dinner uh, where they meet two of the movie's other big assets. Uh, the first of those is the world champion freestyler himself, Mr. Rudolf Garnished. Uh, a German pro who knows his way around the slopes and has no time for amateurs. Uh, and at first, Harkin is a little starstruck by him. Uh, but when he's snubbed by the uh, the German, we see that Sonny is not quite so bowled over by his presence. Rotate on this, you Nazi bastard! So we've got our Luke Skywalker in Harkin, our Princess Leia in Sonny, and our Darth Vader in Rudolph. So what are we missing? Well, enter Peter Norton as the movie's very own Han Solo, Dan O'Callaghan. So, you met Rudy, huh? Well, he might be a great skier, but he's a world-class asshole. <laughs> mm. Well, see you on the mountain, huh, kid? So with our main players now well established, it's pretty easy to see where we'll be come the final act of the film. Um, but while there are goodies, baddies and the cocksure anti-hero uh, that are absolutely essential to your everyday sports movie, it is important to remember that this is a sex, co sex comedy and it's been a good four minutes before we've seen any skin. So uh, what's the one thing we need right now? T-shirt contest there is, but what do you need to have a wet t-shirt contest? That's right, a wet t-shirt contest. Large-breasted women in conveniently tight shirts being plucked out of the audience by a man with a torch and forced to parade themselves around the stage while the compare sprays them with a soda fountain, sucks at their nipples, simulates oral sex with them using a beer bottle and a room full of bearded older men look on and yell for more. What? What's wrong with that? Oh, once we were dreamers on the rise, we were the sun. Where the sun never shines and we were gold Where the night bird only flies That's a long time, you know For that kind of wind to blow Long time ago We were dreamers on the rise Anyway, the debauchery doesn't last too long, and we move the action back to Harkin and Sonny's hotel room for the latest round of Will They, Won't They? Uh, spoiler alert, they will. Um, and it's mainly thanks to Harkin's skills with an acoustic guitar and his John Denver vocal stylings, um, which you may be able to hear in the background right now. Um, what follows, though, is your fairly standard soft focus 1980s sex scene uh, with a score that lets you know that even if it's going to happen just once in the movie, this isn't two people having sex, this is making love. 
But when the pair of them have put their bits away and slept off their, their fuckfest, um, it's on with the show. There's a whole day's worth of skiing ahead, and Harkin, through Dan, is intru- introduced to the rest of the gang that's known as the Rat Pack, uh, which is basically a gang of zany young adults who love nothing more than to ski, drink, fuck, and generally party hardy mardy. Um, there's Squirrel Murphy, the apparently crazy surfer type. There's Kendo, the kamikaze Japanese skier who doesn't speak any English whatsoever. Um, there's Michelle, who may or may not be Dan's girl and is referred to here as Banana Pants. Uh, there's Fergie, who is introduced as the motor mouth of the group. And Slasher, the guy who is always plugged into his Walkman and always wearing sunglasses and is therefore... Um, really difficult to communicate with um, so yeah uh, Harkin buddies up with this gang and they take him off for some hardcore downhill action where he also bumps into the blonde bombshell Sylvia uh, who used to be Rudolph's girl until someone, possibly Dan slept with her um, and this kind of sets us up for another brief verbal allocation with the German you people stay out of our way you may ski on that side or on that side, but stay out of the middle here. Hey, Rudy, you can kiss my ass. Not on this side, not on that side, but right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great because it helps galvanise Rudolph as the guy that Harkin will eventually have to beat. Uh, but then it's time for some great synchronised downhill skiing, which sort of dismisses the, with the plot um, and just sort of gets into a little bit of fun. Um, there's a bit of skiing, there's a bit of falling over. It's all set to some swinging 80s rock and roll, uh, which is the song that you heard earlier on. Um, and quite honestly, it's pretty fantastic stuff. Um, obviously, it's all set to some great music. Um, but in terms of visuals, that there, there are some great sequences and stunts, uh, as well as sort of man- a mandatory collection of slow motion jumps and flips and twists, uh, and it's it's highly entertaining stuff. As I say, the music helps, but it is genuinely entertaining um, and very well shot. Um, before too long, though, they are back on the boozing and partying. Um, and we start to get a, a little bit more of the plot feeding through. A couple of members of the Rat Pack don't get picked for the competition because of some internal politics that's going on as part of the uh, as part of the competition. Um, it's revealed that Sonny is on some sort of prescription drugs, uh, which Harkin uh, doesn't like and kind of takes offence to. Um, and he ends up kind of sort of taking it out on her by predictably slipping into bed with Sylvia at her exclusive mansion slash lodge. Um, after they've kind of had a little bit of an argument about the prescription drugs and Harkin's kind of um, been, you know, been told by by Sonny that, you know, you don't belong to me, we don't belong to each other, that type of thing. Um, And so he goes away and slips one into Sylvia and who can blame him. Um, On the plus side, uh, he and Sylvia do have sex to one of the most seductive, romantic Al songs I think I have ever heard. If you don't believe me, stick around. I'll play it at the end of the show. It's wonderful. Um, But on the negative side, Sonny catches them in the act and does the one thing that she knows will truly get back at him. She fucks Rudolph. Do you know what I had for breakfast this morning? Wheaties! (laughs) Very clever, but no. No, it was quite the feast. Yeah. How do you say in your language, I had sunny side up and I had sunny side down. And I had sunny side all the way around. But just because it's all gotten a bit serious, don't think for a minute that the laughs have dried up because they absolutely haven't. Uh, The Rat Pack are 
out in full force and they are busy partying hardy mardy uh, and getting into all sorts of shenanigans with the guests of the opposite sex um so there's all sorts of crazy drinking stuff going on and um you've got sort of different characters behaving in their their very different ways um so you've got um is it squirrel who's who's desperately trying to get laid um and has some terrible chat up lines um and then you've got the uh the japanese uh kamikaze uh skier kendo um and he's just basically speaking in japanese and telling women what he wants to do to them and they can't understand what he's it, it seems to be working for him um but yeah they're basically all just running riot around this party and it's 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 an awful lot of fun um so we're in the thick of it basically there's there's boobs and booze everywhere um there's more than just a dash of drama and jealousy which is spicing up the plot um and you've got big laughs and big tunes that are keeping the tone of the film uh quite light and quite quite nice uh, and everything's kind of ticking along nicely um the one thing that's maybe lacking just a little bit low uh, though at this point is the skiing um and quick as a flash though that's kind of picked up as we move into the uh, the last act of the film uh, which is really all about the climactic sort of skiing competition um the focus moves pretty much away from uh, the relationship stuff a little bit and um, it's still in there but it moves a little bit away from the relationship stuff um, there's a few less jokes really and it really kind of becomes about the sort of Karate Kid style um, you know Harkin has to win and beat the bad guy ending um, this competition itself starts off slowly uh, with some rather camp ballet style skiing uh, the likes of which I honestly didn't even know existed before I watched this film. Uh, but it's basically choreographed routines and poses and the odd flip over the skis. Um, typically the German absolutely bosses his performance. Uh, and then Harkin uh, turns up and does his thing and absolutely blows him out of the water. And the crowd goes absolutely wild. Uh, but unfortunately the apparently corrupt judges don't quite agree. So, will the next few rounds of action see the judges change their mind? Will Rudy, Harkin or Dan be going home with the trophy? Can Sonny ever forgive Harkin? Can Harkin ever forgive Sonny? Will Squirrel ever manage to get his nuts nibbled with his incredible chat-up lines like this? Hi. Hi. I'm Squirrel Murphy. Georgette. I suppose the fuck's out of the question. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you because Hot Dog the Movie is a film I genuinely want you to see. Uh, and it's available right now on YouTube, as I say. Um, so you really don't have much of an excuse not to give it a go. Um, the music is fantastic with, with contributions from staples of the day like Al Jarreau and Duran Duran and even Prince at one point. Um, but even the, let's say, non-branded 80s tracks are incredible fun as well. Um, elsewhere the laughs do come thick and fast enough to keep things entertaining and the love story at the centre of everything does feel kind of genuine and it does make you kind of root for the two central characters Norton is also an awful lot of fun um, as Dan uh, so he provides sort of an extra level of fun in there as well, um, and the supporting class, the supporting cast, you know, which includes the the Rat Pack, they're a lot of fun as well. Um, the skiing sections are entertaining, as I say, they're very well shot, and altogether, 
honestly, this is a genuine piece of class. And if you do like 80s comedy movies, you could do much worse than taking a big old bite out of Hot Dog, the movie. Beware, Hockenbanks! We will meet again in Hot Dog 2. Yeah, you got it, Rudy. And that was Adventures in VHS episode 14, Hot Dog the Movie. As always, email feedback is greatly appreciated, so feel free to send that over, uh, as are iTunes reviews, Facebook likes, Twitter follows, retweets, and everything else besides. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, you can find my contact email address uh, and links to all those social channels just by visiting adventuresinvhs.com, and all of those channels are a great way of also keeping up with the project and what's happening with the podcast and the book. Uh, On that note, once again, please keep an eye out for the next episode of the show in which I'm fairly confident I'll be able to finally and exclusively reveal some rather exciting news about how you might actually be able to buy the book. Um, So I will probably announce that exclusively on the podcast and then a few days later maybe I'll put up a blog post and and, and stuff like that as well. Um, So keep an eye on it and and if you're one of the first few to to download it then you'll uh, you'll get to hear about that first. Um, But until that time, I shall bid you farewell for now. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed babbling, uh, and I'll speak to you again very soon. Ta-ra! Yeah.